Welcome to Kino Society with Owen Shapiro. Welcome to the first episode of Kino Society. Today, we have Robert Fritz, an award-winning director who started his journey of 25 years in the film industry as a makeup and FX artist. Rob has participated as a makeup artist in various well-known movies such as Jumanji, Manchester by the Sea, Surrogates, and many more. Also, after 10 years of hard work, Rob released an action horror film titled God of Vampires, which he directed himself. Let's get to know the world of makeup and movie directing with Rob. Welcome to the show. So Rob, I'm just curious, as a kid, did you ever imagine that you would become an award-winning director one day? Has it just always been a dream of yours, or is this a passion that developed over the years unexpectedly? Uh, no, actually, you know, I never thought I would do that. I, I always love movies, and I really what I, I've always wanted to do is special effects makeup and makeup. Uh, it wasn't until I got to film school, because I thought film school would be uh, the most direct route to doing makeup on people's films. Um, where I made a low budget, you know, little student film and I did a special effect in it, right. That freaked people out. So basically what I was doing, I showed this movie and, and I, I cut someone's face off and I peeled it away. And when I was, then I started licking the eye socket and it, everyone went crazy, like freaked out. And I said, Oh my God, like I should I, I need to make movies, you know, like I think the power of it and the, um, you know, amazing, like, you know, you making people react was wonderful, you know, it was like a great feeling. So I also, in addition to doing makeup, I also uh, kind of garnered a passion to make films as well. Yeah. So that makes sense. Where do you go for education? Uh, I went to the School of Visual Arts in New York City and um, uh, from the years from 1989 to like 92 and then I ran out of money and I couldn't continue school so I had to go home and get a job but uh, that's where I started and you know after leaving film school I ended up um, getting a, a job landscaping and doing different things and uh, met some people in the film business and started P being a PA, a production assistant. All right. Um, you started out in the film industry as a makeup and FX artist, though. So how did you come across that path? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I was working on a few movies as a, uh, a PA. And this one movie I was working on, uh, I... Well, the, it was on Nantucket. This film was being shot on the island of Nantucket, which is right outside Massachusetts. Or it's part of Mass, but it's off the coast of Massachusetts. And what happened was the makeup artist this that was doing it, um, she had a drug addiction, and she freaked out, and they had to get rid of her. And they, the, the it was a low-budget movie, so they were, like, panicked. They were like, we need a makeup artist. Does anyone know how to do makeup? And I've been studying makeup since I was a kid. I just didn't officially have that position. I was just a PA. And I said, well, I know how to do some makeup. And uh, the, um, they said, all right, make this guy look dead, right? 
and they put me in the trailer and they gave me all the makeup that this particular makeup artist left in the trailer. And I did my thing. He came walking out and he looked like a corpse and they loved it. So I became the makeup artist on this movie. And, uh, and then everyone on the crew and, you know, the people that I knew all uh, said, Hey, Rob Fitz is a makeup artist. You know, you should hire him. And then, you know, that's how I got started. Like after that, I, I just did makeup on movies. So you think word of mouth is a very important place to start your career? Absolutely. It's the, the most, it, word of mouth is the most important way to start any career. Really, you know, reputation, you know, when people hear, people talk and that's gold, you know? Yeah. But how do you manage to make it to the larger production films? In, interestingly enough, what happened was uh, I started working on, movies right away I, I did a I got lucky and I got hired to do makeup on a it was a low budget movie in Boston called Squeeze um, and this was like early 90s and the movie I was the, the head makeup artist for that and we, we did the film and then it got picked up it got actually got distributed in theaters um, by I think it was Miramax um, and that, you know, having a movie that got distribution and then your name was on like in the theater, it was pretty good. And so people started throwing my name out there. And uh, later on that summer, I got my first um, people called me to do makeup on uh, a bigger budget movie, a big budget movie just to do extras. And that movie was the original Jumanji uh, that was shot in Keene, New Hampshire, or at least in part in Keene, New Hampshire. So I, I worked on the original Jumanji. That was my first big movie. So, but where did your career go from there? How do you think that makeup, that your makeup has evolved over the years? Well, I, you know, at, at, you know, when I first started, I kind of had my uh, notions of what makeup was. And, and I, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't great, but I, I did what I could. And then I learned as I went, I was a, you know, one of these guys who um, taught himself. Um, and uh, from there, uh, I started doing a lot of little low budget movies um, and working. I also worked regular jobs because, you know, uh, Boston wasn't like a big uh, place for filming. And uh, I continued to work work on movies, uh, work at regular jobs. I did, they did things like I was a janitor. Uh, I delivered auto parts, um, landscaper, all these things. But I, I looked and pursued makeup jobs because they were the highest pain. You know, I could work what I made in a day doing makeup was what I made in a week, you know, uh, landscaping. So, it was a real tough, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was like, it was easy to, to decide, like, I'm going to go for doing makeup, obviously, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a much higher paying thing. And um, as I was going along, as the years went on, I, you know, still had that itch to make a film. And um, when I got to, it was around 1999, I decided to go for it because I had been waiting long enough and I, 
started writing uh, a script called God of Vampires. And uh, I raised $26,000 and I started shooting it on the weekends. Um, and, uh, and I'd work on films when I could. Uh, and it was kind of cool to work on different movies uh, as, you know, uh, a makeup artist. And then, you know, a lot of these films that were low budget or they had like, you know, they didn't want to pay to have like sets all the way or, or materials, you know, uh, trashed. So what I would do is I would rent a truck at the end of the film and I'd say, all right, guys, you want to, I'll take all the stuff away for you. And I filled the truck up with all the materials like sets and, and whatever I could find that they were getting rid of haul it away for uh, God of Vampires. So basically my movie was uh, the scavenger of bigger films, you know, and, uh, and that's how we were able to make uh, a 16 millimeter feature um, on uh, like with a $26,000 budget. That's impre- that's very very impressive. It, it took ten years though. You said it started in nineteen ninety nine, or was that just what you wrote? Well, I started writing it in ninety nine. We started shooting it in two thousand. Um, so after about a year to write it properly, and uh, I had I had uh, read the book Rebel Without a Crew, um, the uh, Robert Rodriguez book, and it inspired me. And I said, you know what, I'm doing this. I got to do this. I mean, this guy did it for less than that. And, uh, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. So I, you know, started shooting um, in 2000. And what I did was I would do some casting and I wrote the script in a manner where like we could shoot parts of it and they wouldn't be affected by continuity if it took me 10 years to make. You know, so we'd shoot like all of the pieces that didn't require, you know, attention like that. And then we shot a big chunk of it um, that required like, you know, the actors to remain the same pretty much at one point. But, you know, it was it was hard, man. It was, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, you have to be very passionate, uh, crazy and um, and you know, very clever to get through. And, uh, and we did it, but it was, it wasn't easy. I can tell you that it was the hardest thing I've ever done. You know? Yeah. Making a movie as big as that with that little money is almost unheard of pretty much. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing is that, you know, when I saw the movies that I aspired to, um, they were all, the super low budget, you know, cult classics, you know? Yeah. Uh, and like, I mean, you know, I, the movies, they're legend are Evil Dead and yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, you know, Night of the Living Dead. I mean, those are the movies that are legends. And, you know, some guy like, you know, who, you know, makes a, a movie that like that, like they become, you know, mm-hmm. the icons, you know, and, and not that I really cared about myself doing that, but I wanted the best for my, the movie. If I'm going to put all this effort into something, I want to at least have some, like, at least have some semblance of that respect, you know? So, 
Yeah. It, it's weird that nowadays people are gushing over how cheap um, films like Paranormal Activity are. And, uh, mm. and just like Blair Witch Project or new found, forge, found footage movie that just came out. And, and those are just completely unimpressive in comparison to a lot of the older stuff. They may be cheap, but they also look really, really cheap. It, they do look cheap, yeah. Yeah, Paranormal Activity, it looks like it was shot with only $15,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You ever hear what uh, Chris Rock said about the Blair Witch Project? Yeah, what did he say? He said, uh, he said um, the Blair Witch Project was made for $60,000. It's like somebody's out there walking around with $59,000 in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. It, that movie is not h at all. Now it just seems like a poorly done internet mystery. Yeah. Yeah. It, at the time, you know. At the time it was very gimmicky, but now it's yeah. just... Timing is everything, as we know. That's why none of the sequels ever took off at all. No. So are there any more challenges that you encountered as a film director, maybe from other projects? Uh, well, let's see. Um, the biggest challenge was um, finding distribution. And, you know, like once you're done and, and you've gone through all this stuff and you're exhausted, right? You have to find a way to get it out there. And I did find distribution, and but I wasn't entirely satisfied with it. Um, so uh, unfortunately, I think my movie didn't like the distribution didn't really do it any favors. Uh, when they put it out there, they I think the quality was degraded somehow, so it didn't look as very good. It did get on Netflix for a few years um, before Netflix was as big as it is now, um, which was cool. But like I think I got a lot of criticism for oh this movie looks like crap, you know and um, uh, you know, it, it kind of like suffered from a low budget look where it, it, the movie actually doesn't like when it's, uh, when you see a proper quality, sh- uh, you know, video of it or a DVD, it doesn't look that, it doesn't look like that. It's, it's actually much better. Um, which wants, and what I want to do is I want to take the film and, um, do a, uh, like restoration. A, a restoration 4k or something like that of it. So I can actually, cause it is shot on film and I have the negative, you yeah. know? So I want to, I want to do that kind of maybe remaster the audio, you know, get the whole thing together like that and, and do something really good. And um, that way people can really see, I don't feel as though I got the best bang for my buck uh, off that film. Cause I think it's, I'm very proud of it. Um, and that, believe me, I know horror films. I love horror films. I grew up with all, all that stuff, and I worship that stuff. But, you know, like, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, 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 you feel in the end, you, you kind of, you're proud of it and everything, but then you feel as though, like, man, I, I wish things went better. Yeah, there's more potential to be had. There is, and there, in the. Uh, and I think that I didn't achieve what I really wanted to achieve. So I think, you know, at this point, I think I want to go and, and, uh, and do some more with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely understand that. It's just the fact that it was a movie you worked on for 10 years as well. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah. People died in the process. People like, died. Not, 
not because of us, but, you know, during the making, it's just such a long time, you know, and, uh, and we had some really cool things happen during it too. Like one of the guys, um, do you know the movie Bad Taste? Not familiar with it, no. Okay, so Bad Taste was Peter Jackson's first movie. And uh, I was putting God of Empires out on the internet. We had like a little website and stuff. And the guy, one of his, one of Peter Jackson's friends that was in Bad Taste uh, messaged me, sent me an email and was like, oh my God, Rob, like this is the coolest thing. This, all your stories you're writing about your film, uh, that reminds me of us when we were making Bad Taste. And that was like an amazing compliment. I'm like, wow, like, you know, he, we're reminding him of, of, you know, Peter Jackson and his beginnings. So that was a big boost. So I asked the guy to do a voiceover. And this is back in like 2002, a voiceover and email it to me and I'll use it in the movie. So we actually have this guy, Pete O'Hearn, who since passed away, uh, in the film. And uh, so Pete O'Hearn's in the, in the movie as a voice, you know, so that was kind of cool. Little obscure thing. Any like horror fans would, would might know it, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, like we would do little things like that. All right. So I'm um, back to makeup for a little bit. Do you have any specific procedure that you follow when doing characters makeup? Um, well, when you're, it depends on what you're doing. When you're sitting in the chair and you get, when you have a, an actor sitting in the chair and you have to do something specific, um, you go by various steps. You, uh, uh, a lot of times, like clean the skin, maybe moisturize it, make sure, you know, they don't have any allergies. Um, and then you get to work. Um, so like if you're just doing a regular, you know, cosmetic makeup, a lot of times, you know, it could be something so as simple as a little foundation, a little powder, you know, uh, maybe some uh, mascara, you know, a little lip color or whatever, depending on the person. And that's it. Um, but if you're like doing a whole prosthetic, um, that's all planned out in advance. So, you know, you, uh, you clean them up and um, you put on your you know, prosthetics, you glue them on and you start painting and airbrushing and stuff like that. You know, it's, um, uh, makeup is such a, uh, a big, like, or an art form that encompasses so many things that, uh, there's a lot, you know, going on with it. It's not really easy to sum up. Um, you have to, you know, there's so many aspects of art that are in it, meaning like, you know, pro- like, uh, sculpting, painting, uh, fine art, uh, photography, uh, you know, movies, so many different things like that. So it's a very, it's an art form that kind of encompasses every other art form, you know. And then, you know, at the end, you put in like their teeth or or maybe they're wearing contact lenses, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And what about in terms of inspiration? Are you allowed to do your own thing or is there a specific set of guidelines that stay back to you? Well, that all depends on the director. You know, if you're doing it for a movie, uh, I've run into directors who have a very specific vision uh, and they'll, they'll, 
you'll talk about it way ahead of time and you'll figure out, you know, what they want exactly. Um, but then there's other ones that are, you know, hands off, you know, or, um, you're just getting communication from like the department head. So like the, the makeup department head will tell you, okay, you're going to make these people look, you know, stressed and tired, you know, or sweaty and dirty, or you'll get those kinds of instructions and you'll do your thing. Um, um, there was a movie that's actually coming out on Netflix called Hootie's Halloween. It's an Adam Sandler film. And I worked on that amongst with like, you know, 20 other makeup artists. And we were given people um, like that were going out for Halloween. It was all, every whole thing takes place on Halloween, you know, and uh, they, I had to make them up or, you know, we had to grab someone and they said, Oh, well, we're, you know, a witch or where a blah, blah, blah. So then you'd have to make them up as, you know, one of those things. And then you, the next person is a skeleton or the next one is like a, you know, could be as simple as like they were just a surf bum or something. And they had to paint like white makeup on their nose. Like they were like that was suntan lotion or something. So it was, it was fun, you know, but that's, you know, I know you, uh, I, was told that you had seen my credit in Manchester by the sea. Yes, I did. I have seen okay, that. So, uh, yeah. So what was funny about that one is the director of that. Um, he's the only director I've ever seen. Not one. I've never seen one in my whole career. I worked on a lot of movies. Come to the background holding and talk to me about what he wanted the, the background to look like. Like the director comes in and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Who are you? And he goes, Oh, I'm the director. You know, I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. And uh, he's like, yeah, I, I want these extras to be this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, I will do it. Thank you. <laughs> and usually it's like, uh, uh, it's either, it's usually a PA or a second, second AD, someone like far down the chain, uh, or, you know, or, or it'll just be, you know, the makeup department head or the key makeup artist or something, someone not as official as that, you know? Um, so that was very interesting, uh, to have a, a director come up to you and, and give you instructions as a, a background makeup artist. On bigger, on other movies, when you're like the department head, then you have a lot more interaction, you know, with the main guys. Yeah, I heard that a lot of the directors, some of the best directors are hands-off, like really hands-on with their staff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and Manchester by the Sea was a fantastic movie. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually uh, shot in Gloucester, Mass, or a lot of it. And um, my shop is right down the road from Gloucester my store. And so speaking of directors, um, can you tell us how a director's typical day looks like when he's in the middle of a film production? Well, for me, you take out your shot list and you talk the, to the AD and the DP. Um, you know what those terms are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, they're getting everything ready. Uh, you talk to the production designer, you know, you look at the set, you talk to your actors and maybe you block uh, the scene out physically before makeup and then they go off to have their makeup and hair done while this, the 
uh, DP and his um, uh, the gaffers and grips and stuff light the set. Um, but then you, you know, when you're, when I, like, as far as a low budget movie, you know, we don't have like a big crew. Like we're blessed with having hardly anybody. So what I would do is I would write down a list of like 30 shots that I needed to get. And our lighting, you know, was pretty simple. So we get everyone done. A lot of times I had to jump in and help doing makeup and stuff. Cause we just didn't have everyone. And uh, I would get everyone to set and I would be like, all right, first shot we're going to do is now explain things to people and um, uh, get everyone ready. And then we would go. And we were really like when you're, when you're shooting low budget like that, you're running and gunning, like you're going so fast um, that, you know, you can get, you know, 20 to 30, probably 30 setups done in a day. And your day is not necessarily a 12 hour day either. You know, um, you know, you can do things pretty quick. That's how I loved, you know, that's what I, I mean, I don't really know any different because as far as directing movies, because I never worked beyond like these low budget standards, you know, but uh, that's the way I prefer to do it, you know, uh, to just crank it out and not have all this, a lot of like, uh, outside noise influencing you know it's funny like when you when you see a low budget movie um, even though it doesn't have the money to make it polished keep in mind that what you see for better or for worse is usually the director's complete vision meaning like there's very little you know uh, communication breakdown between the director and the, the camera and the actors. Like it's usually right there, you know, cause there's no one else, you know, or there's hardly anyone else, you know, so, but at least that's my experience. And uh, I think I was able to pull off some pretty cool stuff with, uh, with that, you know, I think we did pretty well, at least um, people we showed the movies to, thought felt that you know they liked it so finally where can my listeners find you and connect with you all right um well uh now my one of my big focuses my main focus is uh, my shop in salem mass called the magic parlor and um i have a website magicparlor.com and uh we have a facebook page if you look up uh, the magic parlor on facebook and you're welcome to, you know, you can message me there. Um, you can message, you can go on to the Magic Parlor website and message us. And if you're in Salem, Mass, because Halloween's coming, you know, uh, even though with everything is COVID and everyone's kind of staying at home, some there are a lot of people coming out to Salem for the Halloween season. Uh, it's like the whole month of October. Um, you can come visit us at Salem, Mass, and I most likely will be in the store. Um, even I'm a hands-on director, but I'm also a hands-on shop owner. So a lot of times I'm behind the register. So it would be good to, to meet you, you know, anyone coming by. And if you mention this podcast, if you're, you know, if you listen to this and you heard about us there, let me know. I'd love to see that, you know. All right. 
Thank you very much. And that's all for today. Don't forget you can subscribe to Kino Society on iTunes and Spotify. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Mm-hmm.